This podcast is brought to you by Church Society, a fellowship contending to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith. information about Church Society and all the things that we do on our website churchsociety.org. You'll also find there the full archive of the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark, I'm the Associate Director of Church Society and today I'm joined by other directors of Church Society. Uh, so we've got Lee Gators who is Director of Church Society and Hello. we've got Kirsty Burkett, who is Director of Publications for Church Society. Hello. Um, so we're here to discuss a subject um, that I suspect is common to not necessarily everyone, but many, many people uh, who listen to this podcast, people in our churches, people who are Christians and people who are not Christians. And that is the subject of fear and anxiety. Um, and Kessie, you wrote a book about this uh, mm-hmm. a year or so ago. Just tell us, uh, that, and there, there are various books, aren't there, that, that are sort of related to this. Tell us, tell us what people can get hold of um, and, and where the, the sort of general theme of that is. Uh, oh, well, of course, there's a lot of secular material on fear and anxiety. There's, there are books on cognitive therapy on uh, mindfulness therapy and a lot of those things are very helpful they're they're useful techniques to help control anxiety Uh, in the christian world i think ed welsh's work on fear i think it's called running scared he's got a um Mm. a book and a series of studies uh to help people with fear so that was the sort of thing that kind of inspired me that that there there is useful psychological material, but there's also so much more in scripture that we can call upon because we have a bigger universe. We're not limited to just what is available through observation and experiment. We actually know from God himself how we were made, as well as where the universe is going. There's there's so much more that we can know about um, you know, what reality is and, and how to deal with problems that arise. So uh, yeah, so I, I wanted to write a specifically Christian work on the topic. Great. And so there's a book and then there's a workbook and a journal and you suggest ways that people can uh, work through all of those things together. So the idea is it's not just here's a book that tells you some stuff, but actually here's a way in which you can apply this um, and actually see changes and and um learn to overcome those fears and anxieties by doing something i really liked in the book how each chapter ends with some in, some instructions of things that you can do and some of those are really practical things as well as some that are more sort of reflective things aren't they well that's right uh, i mean i think the uh, knowing the truths about God and what he's doing makes all the difference i mean that's really the foundation of how you um, conquer fear in your life. But just reading it isn't enough. Uh, We're complex beings and we're complex emotional beings. And it can take time for truths that you know in your head 
to actually embed themselves in your heart. So it really makes a difference to how you feel. And the, the more you struggle with something like fear and anxiety, the longer it takes. Uh, because a lot of what is going on may well be that you never really challenged your own beliefs about God. I mean, you can you can assent to something and you say, yes, yes, I agree with that. But have you really focused on it, thought about the implications, and has it really had a chance to percolate through and and change your heart? So that's part of what I'm actually doing in the books, not just present the truths, but present ways in which we can go through that process, which is something that the Holy Spirit is doing with us all the time anyway, but how much better to walk with him in that process and do what we can to make sure that these things really are transforming how we think and and how we feel. Negatus, mm. are you a complex emotional being? Do you struggle with fear and anxiety? Yes, all the time. I'm a very complex emotional being. Um, uh, yeah, anxiety um, is something that I live with every day, really. Yeah, of course. Um, In the book, Kirsty's very open and honest about some of her personal struggles with uh fears and and at times where she's felt those what what sort of what are the sort of things that maybe um fuel your fears and anxieties do you resonate with the things Kirsty talks about very much I, mean, I live in constant fear of being asked questions like that on the spot <laughs> that I don't have an answer to um <laughs> uh, and, and constantly worried that I might say the wrong thing um and, and it be used against me in some sort of way um as a as a father, I'm constantly anxious about my children and what might be going on with them uh, and worried about them uh, as a as a husband, too. Um, and and as a boss, as a as a church society um, director, obviously worried about church society and where that might be going. I think there's a constant anxiety for many of us about the Church of England. So anxious about what might happen in the future there, particularly. Yeah. And anxious about whether our response to that uh what's going on is good enough is right is going to work all those sorts of questions the fear of not being in control the, the anxieties about the future and what might happen um all those sorts of things swirl around my brain all the time and i imagine around the brains of many people who are listening to this podcast something similar to that um, yeah. is probably afflicting many people. I'm sure that's true. And part of the reason why I wanted to to just establish that is when I was reading through the book, I read it when it came out last summer and I read it again in preparation for this podcast. And and I found myself thinking, I I wonder if we we do all feel like this because I don't think I do most of the time. And I don't think, I don't say that to be smug or you know, to suggest that I am in some way super godly, because I'm really not. Um, I find myself... We know that, Ros, we know that. <laughs> I find myself quite often doing things and say, gosh, that's brave, and I'll be like, is it? And and I think there is a sort of lack of fear that is foolhardiness, that is just not even noticing that there might actually be something to be afraid of. I don't think that's a very good thing. Um, and and sometimes just a, um, ignorance and um sometimes an arrogance that that is like well I don't know if you're scared of that I could I've got that I'm <laughs> fine I'll sort that out and 
particularly when you were just saying Lee about being asked questions and put on the spot and I feel like and this is a bad thing but one of the biggest things I learned at university was how to bluff and how to <laughs> just make it sound like I knew what I was talking about all the time yes. you know I quite like being on the spot and not having to prepare <laughs> and just be able to blurt whatever comes out this is a common problem with people who went to your university roles I and mean, we see that in our political worlds that I'm afraid people who so. are in charge are very good at bluffing there is a little bit of Boris up. Johnson in me that that is true and it's not a good thing so I guess one of the questions that I then had as I was thinking this through because it's not that I don't ever experience the kind of fear and anxiety that that Kirstie's talking about in the book and that you know I definitely there are there are times when I've had sleepless nights anyone who saw me in the the week or so before my PhD viber will know that I know <laughs> terrified yeah, I was in an absolute state, but it's not an everyday, regular experience of my life. Normally I go to bed and I'm not anxious and I'm not fueled with anxiety, but um, it did make me think then about other kinds of fear. And there are reasons, aren't there, why actually sometimes we, sh we should be afraid, do you think? Or should we be looking for a life completely without all kinds of fear? Uh, well, it's probably it's never realistic to think there will be no fear at all. It's a fallen world and bad things are going to happen. Yeah. But it is interesting. The only thing we're ever told in scripture to fear is God himself. Yeah. Fear God and everything else. Whenever fear is mentioned, it's don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be afraid of the things in the world, because if you fear God, you don't need to be afraid of any of those. That's true. And, yeah. I, I guess I'm thinking about the sort of fear that leads to appropriately cautious sensible behavior you know mm -hmm. i think probably you should be afraid if you see your child about to run out into the middle of the mm -hmm. road and take action to stop them um you know the, the yeah but you see you can do that without yeah. being fearful okay you, know, you can do that because you're sensible and you know what you need to do but without having the awful sensations of fear well, you know, in theory, anyway, I don't know if anyone actually uh, accomplishes yeah. that. Yes, and, I think in yeah, that situation, yeah. I'm not quite sure that, that any parent is, is yeah. entirely rationally calm about that. And trust But you're right. I mean, there's certainly that sense of the, the kind of crippling fear and the devastating fear and the untrusting fear that the, maybe the Lord hasn't got it, that, that we should be aiming to live without. And so... Um, how how does one deal with that? I mean, I kind of want to say read the book, but it but hey, yeah. um, obviously you have to read Kirsty's book. It yeah, we want to give people a little bit of a foretaste of that in the podcast. What is Ros, some of Ros, what are you saying there about fearing God and oh. not fearing everything else? It's funny that because um I'm not anxious about how God is and how God sees me and what God will do for me. So, you know, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. I have complete confidence in that. The things I'm anxious about are the things that he tells me not to fear. So the things I'm anxious about are the things I don't have sure and certain promises about in Scripture. So I, I know that he'll look after me and I know that um, I'm justified by faith alone through grace alone and Christ alone and I'm going to go to to glory, to the new creation, to, to heaven. I, I'm not, I don't doubt that um, because I trust him. Um, what I'm anxious about is what's going to happen with this thing next week. What about this thing uh, in the next six months? What about this thing in my life that's happening right now? And that's what I get anxious about, the things that I, I don't seem to have 
cast iron promises for in scripture. So that's interesting. But you do have cast iron promises in scripture. You know that the Lord is sovereign. You know that the Lord works out all things for his good. I mean, what? what Yeah, but that might that might turn out to be um, painful, and I don't like that, and I get anxious about that. Yeah, well, that's the problem, isn't it? Yes, exactly. We don't like pain. It's not actually that there's reason for fear in that. Mm. Yeah, because because that's that's the when when you look at some of the things that David manages not to be afraid of, David King David in the Psalms. Now, he had no promise that he wouldn't die in battle. He mm. had no promise that uh, politically things would turn out okay. But he trusted the Lord, whatever happened. And I, I think that's our example. And it's very hard for us to get that mindset because we are so focused on what we want to be the outcome yeah, and, and what we want to happen. It's very hard to think, well, whatever happens, that's what God planned and he will work good through it. And yes. David, we know... You know, certainly at times during uh, the period where he's writing different psalms, is facing genuine, real, immediate physical danger. It's mm-hmm. it's not just kind of stuff going around in his head that may or may not happen in a hypothetical, making himself unnecessarily anxious kind of way. It's it's people there with swords and spears and and coming mm-hmm. after him, and yet he still has that kind of trust in God. That says I I won't be. I I do wonder the amount of times he has to say I won't fear. I won't be afraid. <laughs> yes, there's possibly yeah. underlying fear that he thinks he protesteth too much. But but that's exactly the process, isn't it? Yeah. that is what he was doing. He is fighting fear through saying these things, through asserting and and reminding himself of the truths that will conquer the fear. Yes. Yeah, which is precisely what I want us to be doing, and and it's why we should be looking at scripture and and meditating on it and memorizing it and reminding ourselves of it i think that's those are all the things that they genuinely do make a difference in in the in the way we approach life and that's what's really good about the book i think is that you don't just expound the psalms but you show us a process to to go from those psalms to think about our own lives and to actually use that scripture to counsel ourselves uh, and to, to to speak to ourselves, to give ourselves a good talking to, <laughs> yes. um, but also to correct our own perspectives. And you show us that that process of going from the psalm to ourselves that's so very very helpful and a- applied theology, which is which is wonderful. Church Society is delighted to be partnering with the new Bishop of Ebbsfleet, Rob Monroe, in a series of regional conferences in May and June this year. On five dates and in different locations, all of which you'll find the details for on our website, churchsociety.org, we'll be meeting with ministers, church wardens, PCC members and others to hear from Rob about his role and the state of mutual flourishing for complementarians within the Church of England, but also we'll be spending time thinking about living in love and faith and how we can be best contending together to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith at this difficult time. Please do join us. You'll find all the information about how you can book on our website. And if you have any questions, please do contact the Church Society office for more information. So 
I wanted to ask about um, one or two of the Psalms in particular. So the first chapter, um, you talk about sleep um, from Psalm 3, and that's one of my favourite uh, encouraging verses in the Psalms. You know, I will lie down to sleep and, um, you know, the Lord will wake me in the morning. I can't remember now exactly the verse, but it, but that idea of sleep as trust, trusting in the Lord, and how much more so when you're surrounded by literal <laughs> Yes. Quite difficult to go to sleep, I would think, in that situation. Um, but also for all of us, I think, um, even those who aren't, um, you know, who don't struggle with fear and anxiety so much, that is often the time where it comes to the fore, isn't it? When you're you're in bed, all the, the sort of things you have to do in life have that, that kind of mask it during the day disappear and you're just left there with your own thoughts and your own imagination and your own worst case scenarios building up inside your head and it stops you going to sleep. Mm. And I wonder what, what, what is it about sleep? I think I'm right in saying scientists still don't really know why we sleep. Why is it that you think God gives us sleep? Um, and what that has to, to say to our, our sort of trust and our emotional state? Yeah, it is interesting. God gives us sleep and he tells us to rest. He tells us to take time off. And I think that's part of him reminding us uh, in a way that's a blessing that we are the created ones. We are not the creator, that we're not actually responsible for keeping the universe running. He's doing that and he's doing it very well. And so it's partly humbling ourselves rightly before God. But as I said, it's also a wonderful blessing that he allows us that reminder that we can depend on him to keep things going. And, and of course, that's all the symptoms of things like burnout and, um, you know, the, the different types of anxiety or stress disorders. A lot of those, uh, what's symptomatic of them is feeling that you can't stop you know, that you have to be at work all the time, every moment of the day. And, you know, you can't ever leave. You can't ever take a day off because you've got to keep things running. And it, and it's wonderful when God reminds us, well, no, actually, he's doing it perfectly well and he he will keep on doing so. Yeah, mm. so I, that, that, is, that is part of the blessing of sleep. God doesn't sleep. Yeah. and And that means that we can. Yeah. And it's not just the entire universe that he upholds, which I think we sort of know that to be true. But then when we apply it to the more immediate situations in which we think we are responsible for, you know, God is also upholding the ministry of your church. For example, mm. I sisters struggle with this particularly because they feel such strong responsibility and they care so much and they feel it's so important. Mm. But to be able to remind yourself, actually, you know, the Lord is caring for that family who are going through a crisis and you know the lord knows you know how many sunday school teachers you're going to need this week and and the lord will keep the work of church society going mm -hmm. and i think it's much harder to remind ourselves of those truths because we think we could probably do it ourselves he may, <laughs> not, he may not keep the ministry of church society going that's my anxiety because yeah. he, doesn't, he hasn't promised that there's no sign no. But if he doesn't, we still know that he's working all things out for good. So yeah, exactly. it's exactly. fine. It's fine, actually. And 
It might be rubbish for me, but it'll be good. Yeah. Good. For I mean, God's I might lose. We, we all might lose our job, and that that would be yeah. an issue. But also, God would still be working it out for good for those He loves. So that would include us. So, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, well, that's interesting yeah. because that that is how many ministers are feeling right now about the yeah. Church of England. You know, the anxiety is in the Church of England that um, we, if everything goes, how can I put it, belly up? If everything goes <clears throat> south. In the next uh, in the next six to twelve months, and um, we may lose our ministries, we may lose our homes, we may lose our pensions and stipends, and our church buildings and our congregations and the people that we were ministering to on the fringe and hoping to bring to Christ. We'll lose all of those opportunities and all of those resources. Um, and of course, we're anxious to keep hold of those, and, and we're anxious to keep doing what we're doing for the glory of God and the good of England. Uh, but it it may all it may all disappear. Um, we don't know what will happen, but we do know that God will be glorified through it, um, and that that does bring a certain amount of comfort and reassurance. Though it may be painful as we go through that situation, and we need to think about how to cope with that um, in a sensible and wise way. Yeah. We know that we have a God who specializes in bringing good out of bad things. Absolutely. You know, I think one of the things, though, with that is not just that people are afraid for themselves, but they are afraid for the people they love. Mm. You know, they're afraid that if they if everything does go belly up, you know, what about their wife? What about their children? Um, and mm -hmm. I think that it, that is much harder. I, I don't know. I pe People may know that I got a dog recently and I'm <laughs> really obsessed with uh charlie and i have suddenly found myself um having a little bit more sympathy with parents who seem really obsessed about their children for some reason and you know and i care more he was ill last week for a day and i was really worried about him and much more than i get worried if i get ill and so i mean i think that is a thing isn't it when you, when there are other people that you care about and other people that you're responsible for mm -hmm. it's even harder i think to trust that the lord will do good for them because mm. you, you want to be able to control that don't you it's when you're out of control that you have to trust god is in control um that that's when the rubber really hits the road for that i have a question for kirsty mm. kirsty there's a, a, a an interlude in your book <laughs> called why don't we have a chapter about psalm 23 so uh, my question is why don't we have a chapter about Psalm 23? <laughs> I mean, I was expecting a, cha a chapter about Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. I shall not want. This seems like a very good psalm for combating anxiety. So um, without giving away too much, I suppose, without making it a spoiler, um, <laughs> why briefly don't you have a chapter on Psalm 23? Uh, no, it's not a spoiler. It's I mean, it's partly just the circumstances of how the book came to be in the first place. Um, it started off as a series of Bible studies that I wrote for my church at the start of lockdown when people were feeling so afraid of, of what mm. was happening in the world. And I wanted to point them to Psalms that maybe they weren't so familiar with so they could see the resources that are there in Scripture and uh you know, that that there's far more than just the famous passages. And then when I put them all together and came to write the book, I thought, oh, I haven't done Psalm 23. Mm -hmm. And I thought, but there's so much other wonderful stuff. And, you know, Psalm 23, precisely because it's so familiar, because it is so lovely and it just encapsulates 
all the truths we want right there in one short psalm. Uh, it's easy to memorize, and I would recommend that people do so. And I thought, oh, well, I didn't really have anything to add to that. So um, <laughs> that's why it's not in there. But I did feel a need to give a bit of an explanation as to, yes, to it would why be a bit strange there. if it was just ignored altogether. Kirsty, yep. you mentioned that it came out of a, a series of Bible studies written at near the beginning of um, the pandemic. And obviously yep. there was a huge amount of fear and anxiety across our society, across the world mm. at, at that time. But that feels like it's just part of a wider, I mean, I, I want to use the word epidemic. I don't know if that's quite true of, of anxiety that we see, you know, amongst younger and younger children all the time and certainly teenagers, but I think society more generally. And um, the the most common approach to that, well, two things I think we see in sort of secular society. There's the sort of mindfulness, well-being, me time sort of approach. Mm -hmm. And then there's medicalization. Yeah. You know, go to your doctor and get put on some pills and that will help. And I wonder if you have comments about either of those, really, um, as to whether they are useful um, supplements rather than substitutes, I guess, to the sort yeah. of work that, you, that we want to do in terms of understanding the Lord and trusting him more. Oh, they're both very useful. Yeah, both very powerful. Both mindfulness and drug therapies are prescribed because they work. And, you know, there's plenty of um, empirical evidence that they actually change brains. Mindfulness change the way, changes the way your brain works so that you cope better and make better decisions when under stress. But neither of them, in the end, cures the fear. They're both ways of getting around it because they're both assuming that you're living in a fundamentally irrational universe, which is what you have to assume if, if you're not going to accept God and if you don't know him, if you don't know why the universe is here and, and where we're going. So I, I think both of those things, the place at which they break down is exactly in the moments, for instance, when you're going to sleep or when you're just waking up, when you're, you're it's not your rational brain that's driving you and you can't distract yourself because you're not awake enough to do it yet. And that's the point at which actually knowing the reality of the universe, if that is what is shaping the structure of your thoughts and your character, that makes all the difference. Mm. Yeah, really helpful. And I think, you know, especially when you think about people whose anxiety is at the level of, of sort of PTSD or, mm -hmm. you know, that, that kind of traumatic response, so much of that is in that kind of irrational moment where you're not in control of what you're thinking and doing. And, and yes. so those, those other techniques are, are going to break down at that point because you won't be in a place where you can actually put them into practice. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, so cognitive therapy really works, but you have to be able to tell yourself the, the cognitive strategies um, so that you can learn them. You know, to some extent, it will um, bed in and become habitual, but... Yeah, it's there, there are limitations. Uh, the, there's also the fact that, um, oh, what was I going to say? Yeah, a lot of these, the the reason that you, you go to these other strategies um, is because what a lot of 
the fear is driven by is that sense of not being in control. I mean, that's what drove a lot of the fear in the pandemic is we're supposed to be in control in this world. We're supposed to have cures. Science is supposed to do this for us, and it suddenly hasn't. And that seemed to be behind a lot of people's fears there. And um, the, the modern technology that we have makes us all the more aware that that's the case in a whole lot of different situations that we might not have known about before. So, I mean, the invention of iPhones sees an immediate spike in anxiety and depression because suddenly every moment of the day you can be aware of the people who are judging you and of things that are going wrong and of things that you don't have. Uh, it's, yeah, the, the very technology that's meant to give us control over the world is what is reminding us that we don't have control. So it's all Steve Jobs's fault is what you're saying. It's all Apple's <laughs> fault. The uh, pandemic of anxiety is all caused by Apple. Well, sadly, it's not just Apple, is it? No, well, quite Huawei and all the others. I wonder if someone, I mean, maybe uh, I'd like to hear from everyone on this, really. What does it feel like? Because perhaps there's some people sitting out there thinking, well, just I can't imagine what it would be like not to be anxious, not to be mm -hmm. fearful. What What does it feel like? Can you describe something of the the emotional um, experience of, of being able to, to live without fear? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't manage it all the time. There's still lots no, of course not, I but I hope you yeah. manage it sometimes. Now. I do. And that's a miracle. I I, I genuinely, it, it is a miracle of God's spirit and God's word working on me that it happens at all. But it is um, a calmness and an ability to have joy in the world, even though I still see the things that are wrong with it. I still see what's happening, but it's the rejoicing in God that is the dominant driver in my thoughts and emotions uh so it's yeah it's it's not denying that the bad things are there and it's not trying to uh just exclude them it's saying i trust god to be dealing with that uh, and i don't have to because i trust god to be doing it you know yeah. and, and personalities differ uh, i mean as you said some people don't feel fear in all sorts of situations and that that's a great blessing but god has made different characters for different purposes and for those who do struggle with fear especially if you struggle with fear because of the uh you've embedded beliefs about god in the world that aren't actually true and they need to be challenged then that's precisely when we need scripture to be talking to us yeah yeah i wonder if you have anything to add to that <clears throat> Obviously, the um, anxiety-free life is is what you get when you end up in the um, at the end of chapter eleven in Kirsty's book. I mean, you know that once you've read all those eleven psalms with her, um, it, it's all going to melt away. There is there is not going to be an anxiety-free life in this world, but it's a marvelous encouragement to know that in heaven. In glory, I won't be anxious, biting my nails or whatever about my to-do list anymore. Mm -hmm. um, the responsibilities that feel weighty and uh, too much to bear won't be there. Um, and, and any responsibility that I may be given in that new world will be will be easy and light because Jesus' yoke is easy and light. Mm -hmm. um, and we could come to him to have a rest 
for our souls. So it, it is, it's an encouragement to know that that day is coming. Yeah. That one day this will not, it will melt away. Yeah. I think for me, I, I, I've been thinking about it and two examples that maybe help us to, to understand it, even if it's not your experience. Um, I think children, not all children, some are very anxious about all kinds of things, but but there are certainly times for most children where they are completely free of worry and anxiety. You know, they're with mummy and daddy, they're doing what they want to be doing. You know, they're in a happy place. Yesterday, I was taking my niece and nephew out for a walk with the dog and watching them run across the field with Charlie and not a care in the world. And then Cameron gets stung by a wasp and suddenly <laughs> yes. all fear drives back in again. But there can be, I think, that that sense everything in my world is safe because somebody else is looking after it you know I know where mummy and daddy are I know that they have got everything and then you grow up and you suddenly realize mummy and daddy don't have it quite as sorted as you thought but I I think there's something of that that we can experience with respect to God isn't there that we can say do you know what I know that somebody else has got this all of it and so I can just relax and enjoy this moment safe in that. And it's the same sort of thing, maybe if you're struggling with something at work and, you know, and it's peaceful, you say, I, I just, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have the time to do this. I haven't got the skills to do it. I don't. And someone else comes along and says, actually, shall I do that? And you can just go, yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. You what do. is it you want us to do for you now, Ros? No, 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 this, no, is, no. this is all yeah. leading to something, Kirsty. She wants us to take something off her plate. Work yeah, work. You've, you've done that frequently enough recently. <laughs> but, um, but, but just that sense of being able to hand something over to someone else who's got the ability and the experience and they can take responsibility. And the relief that that brings is a wonderful feeling. And actually, I think it's that feeling that... That we're sort of working towards isn't it the the relief and the rest and the rejoicing that god's god yeah and i want to be mm. and that's a wonderful wonderful thing it isn't always a nice calm peaceful sort of thing either i mean i, I love psalm 3 because it's quite gritty and one of the things it says you know is that god will strike all our enemies on the cheek he will break the teeth of the wicked and if you if you read that as you, you know the, your anxieties are the many foes the thousands that are railed uh, you know raised against you um and then god's going to break their teeth he's going to smash them in the face god's going to punch your anxieties and all the things you're worried about in the face um you know that's a great image i love that um i used that recently when talking to somebody about um, anxiety and so I think you know the the Psalms give us lots of really good gritty down-to-earth um, real life things to to hold on to um, and, and that's yeah. the, the great thing about Kirsty's book is that she brings these to life and and points them out and helps us to apply them to ourselves which is has been a balm to the soul absolutely you know it's not pretending that the world is fine and life is easy that is not the way to an anxiety-free life no, it won't no. be. Um, so, Kirsty, just remind us what the book is called and where we can get hold of it. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. It's called Living Without Fear, Using the Psalms to End Your Worry and Anxiety. And it's available through Amazon. Perfect. Thank you so much. 
Um, thank you all for listening and do tune in again next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Church Society podcast. You can find the whole podcast archive on our website, churchsociety.org. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your usual podcast app. And we'd love it if you were able to leave a review or give us a rating over there as well. Mm-hmm.